0: It was such a feeling of emptiness and and lonely, lonely, like you know, I'm usually being surrounded and tugged and pulled and questioned and giggled and <laughs> right. and I was alone.
1: That's Laura Gray. You'll learn in a bit why she was feeling that way, but you can certainly hear the sincerity in her voice. At the time of this recording, it's the holiday time of year, but this topic is evergreen, so to speak. It could be relevant any time for a variety of reasons. But it is time for Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Christmas, of course. And my favorite, which is Festivus, for those of you familiar with Seinfeld and the creation of that masterpiece of a holiday. And uh, lastly, which is of importance where I live in Japan and throughout many parts of East Asia, the New Year's holiday. People in Western countries like America, Canada, the UK might not be aware that that's actually the big holiday for family gathering here and elsewhere in this part of the world. And this time of year can be joyous, of course, stressful for some, and for others, it can be downright lonely. I've certainly had my share of lonely holidays. Loneliness is not a state of mind that simply arises when one is alone, either. You can be in a relationship and feel loneliness. Or you might be alone and be happy about it. This distinction between being alone and loneliness, it it came out often with the people I spoke with uh, for this episode. Many factors can prompt loneliness. The death of a loved one, loss through divorce or breakup, loss of being separated from one's children, or loss of friendships, and so on. Certainly doesn't help in those circumstances. If you're out and about, and you see people being happy together with their families, their spouses, their children, their friends. One thing to keep in mind if you're going through something like that is that while you're not alone in at least one manner, we all experience loneliness at one time or another. And one of the tricks is to not try and conquer loneliness. Rather, in a way, seek a method that's right for you in which you Make friends with your loneliness. You're listening to Zen Sammich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people. Or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. I spoke with four people who I knew had either had personal stories of their experiences dealing with this topic or have some expert perspective on it. In pretty much every case of the people I spoke with, there was a meant-to-be element to their stories. That is that they they needed to go through it to gain insight, to gain leverage, to come out on the other side of loneliness, a better and stronger person. We'll get back to Laura Gray right now and why she was experiencing it and what it ultimately meant to her.
0: You know, I've been divorced for about 10 years and I have three sons. Um, I made a choice uh, when they were young, very young, to... um, stay at home for lack of a better terminology sure. and be uh, home with them for 14 years. So I was home with them every day, every morning, you know, at night during the day, etc. So I bring this up because 10 years ago, uh, you know, we get divorced and the custody uh, shared custody kicks in and they're gone.
1: Mm. Emptiness syndrome.
0: They're gone. it, it no, I, 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 it's empty heart. Oh,
1: right. It was okay. an
0: empty heart for me. And I, and look at, I'm, I'm like getting there already. Cause it, you know, it's a Sunday night. Uh, it's a Sunday night for me as we're talking. And uh, we did the quote switches on Sunday nights. And that first Sunday night as a mother who had been literally there 24 hours, 14 years, I felt like I had just delivered uh, the children and they were taken from me I, mm. I just felt like I was sitting there in the hospital bed saying where's my babies
1: as we spoke I, I could tell just talking about it conjured up these feelings again for Laura And but she, she did turn it around and at one point now in hindsight she stated that that period of time in her life was meant to be
0: I needed mm. to feel that darkness mm. you know what they you know from the great the depths of the darkness come mm. the brightest of lights and you know it it actually shined a light on parts of me yeah that I had lost and I I I learned early on in that dark period because you know it wasn't like oh then they came back to me and everything was rosy but guess what then they left again so it was almost like a oh uh,
1: um, double, yeah, double oh hit. my <laughs> god
0: yeah but like I learned the difference right through that process there's a difference between being alone and lonely
1: what are some of the strategies that got you through that dark time
0: you know, uh, yeah, that's a great question. Good follow up. And and thanks for elevating me out of the space I was headed that, you know, I, did I like myself? Did I have this, was, was the aloneness, which was kind of lonely, was it because I didn't like myself? I was afraid to get to know myself, like, oh my gosh, I'm alone now. And, you know, so I started to make unlonely choices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, nice. okay. I will go take a walk. Oh, I will go to the grocery store. It's the third time I'm going, but I'm still going to go, you know, and, <laughs> and, and share energy with people. And, you know, I, I turned to writing a little bit more mm-hmm. and, uh, like I said, tapped into things about me and, and that I, I hadn't paid attention to in a while. And I started to like me,
1: focusing on yourself, whether that is taking some time of introspection to discover more about who you really are, or taking some time to focus on self-improvement in the form of exercise or writing or reading, that can also be helpful. So back to Laura's story and about dealing with loneliness due to the absence of her kids, uh, here's her observation about the choices we can make.
0: It was an identity thing for me. Um, you know, that I always had the kids with me and now I was alone, but alone isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I was oftentimes choosing to feel lonely. And I'm like, well, your, your thoughts relate to how you're feeling and yeah. they're your thoughts. Therefore you're choosing them. So I, I just, it really just became the start of some inward spiritual journey for me that I know it sounds cliche, but I was like, I was almost pushed and forced and into it. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, and it continues on to this day, you know,
1: it sounds to me that, you know, you practice intentional thinking, like you said, you're making a choice. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you cultivate, this mindset of like, okay, uh, sure. I feel alone or I'm feeling lonely or whatever, but I'm going to think I'm going to go out and I'm going to share some positive energy with somebody. You know, we, we're not our random thoughts, but we can control our thoughts and, and and think intentionally. Right.
0: Absolutely. And another part for me was connecting with nature and just really being out and Yeah. You know, I started taking the same path and the same hikes, and I would see, oh, hi, Harry. You know, I started the name things, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and it just kind of really created this, I don't know, uh, I don't know, this this beautiful nirvana. I mean, every day I am outside doing something, somehow touching dirt, uh, you know, hugging a tree. Yes, I'm a tree (laughs) hugger. There you go. Barefoot, just... (laughs) I just need to feel that, and it not only connects me to the earth, but it also reconnects me to like my spirit in, internally.
1: This theme of, of reconnecting with nature came up time and again with the people I spoke to. Ken Leong is a friend of mine, and not only a scholar on Buddhism and Zen thought, uh, he, he's the author of a book entitled The Zen Teachings of Jesus. but. He has personally experienced a significant amount of solitude in his own life, including the passing some years ago of his wife. Uh, he brings up the curative properties of being in nature.
2: I
3: think it's very important, you know, that uh, a person can have some inner resources so that he or she can generate, you know, his own happiness from within. You know? mm. So, I mean, I, I've lived alone for a long time. You know, and um, I don't believe that there's any instance in my life that, you know, I, I, I cannot generate some kind of inner happiness um, mm. and, and keep myself you know, not only occupied, but uh, relatively happy. You know? mm. So I remember that when my wife died, I often spent a lot of time just writing, yeah. I mean, either writing or, or reading the, the classics, or you can read poetry if you want.
1: Yeah, I I was aware that your your wife had passed. I I know that you've brought it up uh, before and I I didn't want to dive too deep in that uh, realm. But since you brought it up, how did you I'm sure that was painful uh, and I'm sure it can still be painful even years after the fact. But was it by kind of, you know, getting into your reading and your studies? Is that what got you through it, so to speak?
3: is is one way but i i also i've been uh, spending more and more time just walking I mean just walking in nature yeah uh, and I pick up the hobby with taking photography and, and my photography is mostly taking photographs of nature you know like the flowers the mountains you know uh, I think nature actually give people a lot of comfort I mean it, it would console your soul you know in 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 a sense um there were instances when i feel that the tree is talking to me you know, the tree is <laughs> uh, you know communicate
1: yeah <laughs>
3: so um
1: yeah there's a there's a word in japanese and i've i've forgotten it right now i can't remember it uh immediately but it, it's there is a a word that describes the sort of therapeutic nature of well of na- the therapeutic nature of nature of going out into the middle say of the woods and being surrounded by trees And that there's some kind of, uh, you know, healing quality just in being in that environment. That word I was searching for during that interview is Shinrin-yoku. It literally means forest bathing. And the purpose is a visit to a forest for relaxation and to literally improve one's health. Let's turn now to the story of Deborah Driggs. You can hear her full story on a previous episode of Zen Sandwich, but for the purposes here, it's simply important to point out that, from the outside, it might appear that Deborah was a person of privilege and, at one point, a celebrity. She had been an elite figure skater growing up. She later went on to become a Playmate of the Month for Playboy magazine, on the cover and everything, hobnobbing with celebrities and Hugh Hefner at the mansion. She married another famous person, an Olympic gold medal gymnast. From the outside, people might look and think, wow, what a charmed life. Why would a person like that ever feel lonely?
4: I think that loneliness has kind of come in waves for me throughout my life. I felt very lonely as a child because both my parents were working and I would come home, I was a latchkey kid, and I would come home to an empty home. And that's lonely for a kid. Sure. Very lonely when you're alone with your own thoughts and your own feelings and all of that at a young age. And then the times that I really remember really feeling alone is I could be in a room with a lot of people and feel alone. Sure. And feel like not heard or not seen. Another time would be after I got divorced. I think my divorce really brought me to my knees. And at that time in my life, I was 40, I was divorced and I had three young children and I had never felt more alone in my entire life than that moment of that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm divorced with three kids and I'm a single mother. And That reality, when that hit, I felt super alone.
1: Deborah goes on to discuss how to practice being alone and the necessity of practice. I asked her then, well, what would be her recommendation for someone who's already going through it? And how how might they practice and get their way out of feeling that
4: way? I would say the best way. To get out of a lonely feeling, a loneliness feeling is to get into service immediately. Whether you go and volunteer at a shelter, whether you deliver food to people that don't have food, you know, whatever kind of volunteer work or service work you can get into quickly is the best way to get out of self and get out of lonely feelings, because the opposite of lonely is connection, right? right. And so when we connect, and we're of service to other people, because really, at the end of the day, it's not about us, and, and and when we sit in our own self feelings, and we're not connecting and we're not being of service, we're going to feel lonely
1: making a connection with others and how to go about doing that is the other common thread here. I, I spoke with Petra Velzeboer. You can also hear her full story on a previous In Sandwich episode. It's a fascinating story of growing up in a cult and how she eventually got out of it, then going through addiction and suicidal thoughts and eventually becoming a renowned mental health advocate and professional a TEDx speaker
2: I think loneliness is something it's a normal human emotion and there's often phases in our life that it peaks and you know, that it comes up more. So it's, I think it's important to note that it's not something to get rid of all the time or like a bad emotion, if you know what I mean, but you're absolutely right in my story, which I know you've recorded the full story of leaving a cult, but regardless of the trauma and all of that, it was a commune. So I grew up with lots of people Lots mm. of humans everywhere. Lots of children, you know, to the point of like sometimes nervous system overload. Right. Uh, but to move to London, so I moved to a different country, pregnant with my son, completely isolated in a big city, right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note the city piece, right, about how we're so hyperconnected but often lonelier than than anywhere else.
1: It is ironic that in cities filled with so many people, we often feel alone because of the anonymity of being in a city. I mean, yeah, there's so many people in a big city, but no one really cares if you're there or not. I asked Petra what strategy she would recommend to someone feeling a sense of longing.
2: Sometimes the only way is through is just the line that comes into my head. Because if I think of the times in my life when I was lonely, I couldn't, it wasn't about being around people. I was Mm -hmm. in a relationship. I was seeing, I was partying all the time. Like you said, I was with people. I wasn't like sitting, like a cat lady sitting in my house with zero contact, (laughs) you know what I mean? I was like social or whatever. And I was in parents and kids groups and, you know, but I was wearing a mask and I wasn't myself. And so felt like I didn't belong and felt completely, completely alone. But sometimes the only way is through, which means we need to sit in the feeling and notice what's going on and then think, Where is this coming from? Am I releasing historical trauma that kind of I need to sit with for a little minute and process alone in order to then get through to the other side? So I think we're very quick in the mental health space to numb things out. Oh, I don't like this feeling. Let's take an antidepressant. Let's take some meds. Let's do this. Let's do that, you know? Um, But actually, our feelings are information, right? Mm. The next thing I would think about is what is in your control? Because I see a lot of people, the longer and longer they feel alone, or they feel lonely, even if they're with people, it's just the way it is, right? It's just, this is my lot in life. This is just how it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would always want to, and I had to do this myself. I was like, okay, I can choose to sit in this forever and just be like, well, my past set me up to feel like this. Or I can think, all right, even if it's the tiniest thing, what is in my control? And it might be speaking to your barista who's making your coffee. (laughs) Hey, good morning. Like we got, it's like practice. It's a skill, right? It might be at a party asking a real question so that you go a little bit beneath the surface, right? And it takes bravery to be the first one to do some of these things, but the reward is connection. And Mm. what we need is connection and belonging. It's very different than just being with people and hanging out.
1: So sometimes we need to just sit through it. And ultimately what we really need is connection, not just being around someone else. That's what we're really longing for when we're lonely, for connection. And Petra's advice here alludes to what was mentioned before about having a choice. In this case, she asks, think about what's in your control. You might make a stronger connection talking to your barista at the coffee shop than you do with your significant other. Okay, so how do we work on making more or better connections?
2: People forget that connection is a skill. They Mm. just think, oh, the extroverts have it, or that person (laughs) was born with it, right? I was the shyest kid known to man. I'd be like avert (laughs) eye contact, like look at no one, like hide in the background, like that was me, right? I now speak on stages for like thousands of people, right? right? And so... I didn't just like go, ooh, well, this is how I was born. Let me now, the stage is my place. It was like, you know, speaking for 10 minutes, falling apart, you know, telling my story with one person, telling it in a recovery group.
1: In short, it took some practice. And that's what it seems to boil down to, the thread between these stories and observations and theories about loneliness. That we can make choices about the things that we can control. And practice. Yeah, sometimes we gotta sit through it, as Petra says. Sit through the loneliness. But practice making connections. No matter how seemingly small at first. And Deborah Driggs' advice about service to others. Helping people. Even when you don't feel your best. It's a surefire way to make a connection. And finally going back to the beginning with Laura Gray and Ken Leong's advice. Get out into nature. Shinjin-yoku. Take a forest bath. There's something therapeutic about it. It's really another form of connection. So remember, whenever you encounter a sense of longing or loneliness, whether that's right now or sometime in the future, make choices about what you can control. Make connections, whether that's through service to others, or simply with your cafe barista. Get out of the house. Go for a walk, even if you don't feel like it. Do it anyway. And when possible, go get a healthy dose of nature. That's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It came upon recommendation by more than one listener uh, of the series I did on dealing with our fears. And if you have a recommendation for an episode topic like this, where I interview several people on on that topic, as opposed to a one-on-one episode episode, Uh, about someone then send me a message at zensamich at gmail.com i would love to hear your ideas and uh if you would like to help make more of these episodes please consider becoming a three dollar a month patreon supporter or just make a one-time gratitude donation through my host red circle the info for both of those options is in the show notes wherever you're listening to this so make choices practice making connections get out into nature when you can And first and foremost, breathe. Don't forget to breathe. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries.